Welcome to our podcast, A Real World Discovery of Guest Experience in the Hospitality and Lodging Industry, uncovering a mixture of technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising guest expectations and forever changing the guest experience across the hospitality and lodging sector. If you are interested or involved in the travel industry and are passionate about creating unique guest experiences, join us as we talk to experts in the industry to learn about the future trends and how you can set yourself apart from the competition in 2021 and beyond. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the GuestX Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Matthew Loney, and I'm here with my co-host, Brian Hamawi. Brian, hope you're doing well today. Doing awesome. Really excited to talk a little bit about our last episode and who's to come next. Yeah, yeah, no. You know, last week, jumping in, we had Jessica Gillingham with Abode PR. You know, Jessica's yeah, she said it in the podcast. She's really made a, a name for herself and abode. I've lost track of the number of of number of awards they've won, but really in focusing, she's working with some of the leading technology companies in the hospitality industry and kind of driving their PR. She's over in the UK, but I think because of that, had a, had a really unique experience. Maybe not from a normal, like true marketing. You know, the way you think of it, like guest email. It was more, I would say, of a branding, you know, storytelling, which really kind of PR, that's where it all kind of starts. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think a lot of really good tidbits that our our listeners can take away just in how you start to build a brand and how that then flows into your guest experience. Yeah, I I think you're right. I I mean, last week's conversation was pretty eye-opening for me because a lot of people start their businesses with thinking about spreadsheets, numbers, and really not understanding what their business is all about. So for her, the beginning company is understanding the why. And if you have an answer to the why, then you can build around it the significance of what you're trying to build and then build your spreadsheets on top of those. So storytelling for me, and I'm a very, I call myself a creative person, in the grand scheme of things and you know this i love to build presentations and decks and and actually have a visual before i even start to think about some of the numbers because if i have a perspective on my company the the look of my company the guests that i'm trying to attract the owners that i'm trying to attract and then the, the actual product and how that translates and then basically create my entire ecosystem I can then start to assign monetary value to that. If I have a product that looks awesome, that's valuable to me. So I don't have a problem going back to spreadsheets from that point and saying, I can justify these prices. I can justify charging X, Y, or Z because I know I can provide the service. And so for me, the storytelling part is probably one of the most essential parts about building a company. And I think it came true with some of the stuff that that Jessica was saying, even down to how you build your your communication strategies and then your presentations, whether it's photography or your content that then goes on to all of your marketing platforms to be able to present your product. You you know, uh, you know, you know, which guest, well, or some content from one of our past guests that reminded me of was community, content, commerce. 
right? And, and she was, you know, she talked a number of times about, look, figure out where you want to be, but, but really it's about building, you know, like, you know, be true to yourself, but build that good content around it. Tell the right, tell the story, tell it well. Yeah. I think really, I think okay execution can be made better by really good branding and content, but I don't think that really poor branding and content can can be saved by great execution. It's kind of to your point, which is like I just think it's just so much easier to conceive, you know, numbers on a spreadsheet or, you know, what's our operational procedures for handling this, this, and this. And so I think people shy away from it is is really what it comes down to. Because most people I would say are more like me. You and I are very different. I'm a numbers guy. I need to see spreadsheets. You want to see the design first, right? And but I do think that that in particular in today's day and age, where you know you can reach guests a million different ways, and and you can be out there instantaneously, content is superior. Yeah, I find it to be a very fine balance. I think you have, and that's I think where we're a good match, which is you need to have the creative person with a visual uh, understanding of the product and, and the concept. And you also have to have the finance guy that has that global view for the company. I, I think it goes hand in hand. So I'm not saying yeah. that it's wrong to have to be either one of them. If you can find a partner that can be complementary to you, that's when companies become really strong. If you can have yeah, a no. global understanding of what you want to do as a, as a company, you can execute really, really well. By the way, uh, before we go to our next guest, so Shane, uh, a little bit of a plug. Um, there's actually, for those of you listening, a great business book called Traction that's actually written on that exact subject, which, you know, the kind of the entire argument of the of the traction, and they've got kind of an, an business operating system is that most great businesses have got kind of a visionary up top and kind of an integrator, but, you know, kind of a day-to-day kind of in the weeds, in the numbers type person. And very few people are bold. So that's kind of interesting that you bring that up. But, but yeah, well, let's go ahead and let's, let's jump over to our next guest or to this week's guest. Really excited about this week's episode. On this week's episode, we're speaking to Dirk Johnson. Dirk is the VP of Hospitality at Seabrook and also the Executive Director of the Vacation Rental Housekeeping Professionals and has over 15 years of experience and leadership in the vacation rental housekeeping industry. He's worked with vacation rental companies all over the world from Park City, Utah and Gulf Shores, Alabama to international locations such as New Zealand, Spain, Chile and Italy. I'm really excited to have Dirk Johnson on, on our podcast, Matt. Dirk is renowned in the industry for putting in place some of the most important aspects of vacation rentals and, and standardizing some of our practices. And I personally had some really good interactions with, with Dirk. He's helped me through our new management company and putting you know certain things in place so that our guests feel comfortable when they arrive at the houses and make sure that we're actually being professional with our management company. So Dirk, welcome to the podcast. We're really excited to have you today. Ryan, Matt, thank you so much for having me. It's it's great to be here and excited to have our conversation. You know me, I'm always anxious to talk about somebody else's mess and how we clean it up. I love it. 
Yeah, we love to hear it too. As long as it's not my mess, we're okay with that. Well, you know, there we go. <laughs> so before we get started with cleaning topics, let's get into what you, how you view guest experience. How do you define it? How do I, how do I, how do I define a successful guest experience? Is that, is that the question you're asking? Because you I go. think we've got all sorts of definitions for poor guest experiences. A successful <laughs> guest experience to me would be one where a guest is able to check into a property that matches the expectations that they were sold, whether that be through the reservation agent or through the website, and the property is cleaned to the standard that the company has presented, as well as you know all the other things that go with that, from concierge work to activities to anything of that nature. You know, just a good overall. The guest has arrived. They can, you know, let that sigh of relief go that I've I've re I've reached my destination, and everybody can frolic and run around the house or the property, and we can sit down and enjoy and start to do our our piece here that we've come to do. That is a very concise, but love it. Yeah, it's a great way to start the podcast. Understanding what your views on on guest experience are. So your background is very very heavy into. On, on the cleaning side of things and uh, standardization of units. And so why don't you give us a little bit of background on you and how you really started to get involved into that side of the business? Uh, the, so the cleaning business started on October 1st of 2001. That's when I became the assistant director of housekeeping for Deer Valley Lodging in Park City, Utah. Prior to that, I had done hotels, bed and breakfasts, and had never done short-term rentals prior to that and was able to, to receive some good training from Nathan Jurgens as well as others in helping me understand my craft and how to fulfill cleaning responsibilities. And I had a great employer who was willing to invest in my education. And so from there, I was able to just learn and grow and roll up my sleeves and get dirty and and learn the principles and techniques that make for successful housekeeping. Interesting. So then you took that and you decided to come into short-term rentals. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really where the, the, the bulk of my, my cleaning training was had I, I mean, after 24 hours on the job in park city, I would have changed every single housekeeping department that I had managed previously, every single one. Wow. They're, they're, the, the principles and techniques I learned were so powerful and so tactical and so, so easy to implement and to work with. I shouldn't say easy to implement, easy to understand. Implementation is a different story to be able to, to work with that. I mean, everything from inspections to cleaning methodology, to cleaning products, to managing uh, revenue and all those things of that nature you know, it just, I would have changed everything, everything going backwards. And so when we start talking about, you know, follow the wall, the cleaning process, product concentrates, all those things of that nature, you know, after 24 hours on the job, it, I would have changed everything. That's a pretty bold statement, right, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really is. And, and it's, 
you know, there, it makes me wonder, you know, that was 20 years ago. And obviously now, wait a second, you're making me feel old, Matt. This is not, (laughs) this is not a good place to start. (laughs) Well, I'm wondering, you know, I, I, I wasn't expecting that, right. I was expecting, I'll be honest. I was kind of expecting you to say, look, when I came in, you know, cleaning standards and the, you know, and the principles upon which, you know, we were handling them in vacation rentals was, you know, just all over the map, but, but that's impressive, right? Because, because people consider hotels to really, you know, and cleaning, you know, especially, you know, higher end hotels, I mean, is an area where they really excel. I think most people would agree in an area where maybe vacation rentals, and maybe rightfully, I think sometimes rightfully, sometimes not, you know, so, but have gotten maybe a little bit of a bad rap, but you saw a lot of great principles there that we could take, right? I mean, that was being executed. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it really comes down to your standard, your standard of the way the property is presented, the standard of how you clean, the standard of the products you use. And the training of yep. those individuals, and and how you excel at that. I, I mean, again, you know, whether whether it's short term rental or a limited service hotel or a luxury hotel, they all have cleaning issues. They all have housekeeping issues. It's just yep. on how they're able to address that, and how they're able to go forward, and and be able to to work with that, and how they how they're able to reach their standard and hold their staff accountable to their standard. And then if there is a mistake, because inevitably there will be, how, from a guest service standpoint, how are you going to recover? What's the guest service recovery? I mean, you you think about, I think it was Marriott that did a survey, and I'm not going to talk numbers because I don't remember those exactly, but the, the, what they learned was, is if a guest stayed in their hotel and there was an issue and they were able to do service recovery, the guest is much more loyal than if there was no issue. So I'm not saying we should create issues to, to create guest <laughs> loyalty. What I am saying, though, is how do we train not only our back of house staff, our front of house staff, so that if there is, so that we do reach our standard, if, however, there's an issue with the property, inevitably, right, a light bulb goes out, the air conditioning goes out, something mechanically can happen, or for whatever reason, because we work with humans, there's an issue with the, with the cleanliness. How are we going to recover the guest? How are we going to recover what the, you know, that missed expectation? That's a it's really, really fascinating interesting you know, point. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, and I'd love to talk to you. are right. Because, you know, in a little bit of this, Dirk, we've had a prior guests, you know, a lot of them have talked about, you know, that one of the keys to a great guest experience is kind of how you in your intro, right, was setting the right expectation, you know, being realistic about what they're going to experience and see when they get there, and then meeting that expectation. One of our one of our past guests, though, I think it was a Bode PR, Brian, had mentioned, you know, that our industry may, and it was kind of a, a side comment, but I, I, you know, I remember writing it down you know, that, that our industry may benefit if we were able to come up with some standards as far as, you know, this is a three star, this is a four star, this is a, because it really is, whether it's the cleanliness, the, you know, the home itself, the, the distance to the beat, you know, you know, like there's a lot of things that go into it, but sometimes I wonder if, 
the cleanliness or some of the concerns that guests have is because they really didn't understand the that level at which they were booking, right? Like in hotels, it's a, it's a lot more clear. You know, if I'm staying at a Four Seasons or a Holiday Inn Express, my expectations are different. I don't know that we have that in an industry. And so therefore, some of our operators probably start behind the ball just because the expectations aren't properly set. Not that it's going to be dirty, but just, you know, of what level I should expect the facilities to be when I show up. I mean, what do you think about that? Your comment in my mind has to be divided into two segments. You have the segment of cleanliness, which is where I come in with my disinfectant or sanitizing agent and I clean and I'm able to remove the dirt and the grime and I reset, you know, the pillows and make the beds and so forth. There, the other part is property condition. And so here we have, you know, there's a difference between a vacation rental that has either been newly remodeled or brand, or newly built versus one that's been in the rental program for 60 years that has never had any remodeling. And so how do we articulate and present to the guest that this is going to be your rustic experience versus this is going to be, you know, a new built and, you know, everything is nice and squeaky, you know, nice and fresh and new. And then how do, how do you present that in a way to say, you know, it's really not the cleanliness. It's not the housekeeper's issue that they couldn't remove the rust off the refrigerator. That's a property condition piece. And so, and so being able to not only manage your, 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 your standards of cleanliness, you know, your, your definition of what you do on a departure clean and a deep clean and what the, what the property is to look like when the guest arrives or owner arrives, but then also as a property management company or as a, as a property manager, I should say, how do I work with the owner to, to help them understand that, you know, the mattress that's 30 years old that you think is okay, that you never sleep on because it's in the guest bedroom really gets used a lot by people and they complain about the the mattress and it's time to replace it. You know, everything in the property has a lifespan from sofas to pillows to, to mattresses. So how, you know, they have to be rotated. They have to be replaced. And, and then helping the owners understand that it is a business. And as a business, there are expenses and we have to ensure that, that the property condition items are are well maintained. You need to paint, you need to update, you know, all these things that go with that. And so does that become the, is, is that where property managers just aren't setting up the expectation between them and the property owners from the, the from the onset, from contract base? Yeah, I would, I would say it starts at an onboarding. You know, when I, when I'm first looking for again, right. You're a new company. You just hung out your shingle of, Hey, I'm in business. You know, you, some take any and all that come and knock on their door. Mm -hmm. And, and yet some are willing to say, you know what, I have a standard. And if your property doesn't meet that standard, then I'm not going to accept you. And then also, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Owner or Mr. Mr. Owner, Mrs. Mrs. Owner, however, however that's working with the, with the owner sitting across the table from you, you know, you're going to lay out the expectations and say, you know, your, your mattress, you know, needs to be replaced every five years and it needs to be a hotel commercial mattress, not the residential mattress. You know, we replace your pillows every year. You're going to buy into a linen program. You know, you're going to, you know, your sofa, we're going to look at your sofa. And if your sofa, you know, 
you know, is, is six years old. Well, we probably ought to look at replacing that in the next 18 months, you know, and you start, so that way there's these expectations up front. Now, then you always have the challenge of what do they hear mm-hmm. as you're meeting with them. So you always have this ongoing training with your owners of what's taking place. And then you have ongoing training with your guests, you know, to, to let them know that if they have selected the rustic property, meaning the one that's well-used or unloved or however you want to term that from the owner. So the guests know what they're getting and that so way. It can... and, and, and I guess part of my question becomes then, you know, Matt, we have, and we keep talking about our industry being a professional industry, but we have no true guidelines just to when we're supposed to do a lot of these things. You know, for example, you, you threw out replacing a mattress every five years. Well, who tells or who sets that standard for the property managers to say, you know, these things need to be done every five years. And then the second part of that question becomes, does the property manager actually need to be the bad guy in this situation? Or is the feedback and reviews from the guests more valuable being able to port that over to the owners and using that feedback to be able to make change within a unit. So I want to answer your second question first. Yes. And, and I'm going to, so to me, working with the owner is a partnership. And when, when I work with the owner as a property manager and we sit side by side and say, say, say owners of this property, we, this is a partnership and When you take better care of your property and I do everything on my end to ensure the selling and maintenance and housekeeping and so forth, it's a symbiotic relationship. And so as as a property manager, I should be providing information to them throughout the year of not only on the performance of their property, but also I should be doing an annual checkup on their property. I should be saying, you know, when we first came in the program, these are the things we talked about. We talked about these items that have a lifespan. We talked about these items that need to be done. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm presenting a report to you on an annual basis, just like you go into the doctor for an annual physical of a health checkup to make sure the, your heart and lungs are working well and everything else. I'm going to do the same thing to your, to your asset, because really I am an asset manager. Yes, I'm managing the property, but this is someone's asset. There is an appreciation to this. So what am I doing to help the asset appreciate? Again, right? Uh, and and uh, as we all know from housing markets, they go up and down. That said, though, I can make sure that the systems and that the paint and everything is good. So, so I see it as a partnership. So I have to communicate with them. I have to know what type of owner they are, whether they're an investment owner or an emotionally attached owner. So I know how to communicate to them in a way that makes sense and I can get my work done. Now, that's your second question. And I failed to write down the first question. So you have to remind me of the first question. <laughs> Standards. When are property managers supposed to know? Like, we don't have any guidelines. So, to be able to tell so yeah, so when to replace things, how so, things so, look. Yeah. So VR, the vacational housekeeping professionals, they have a document that talks about it. I'm in the middle of working on one now for housekeeping solutions team to, to have that presented just so people know you're right. They don't know. Most people jumped into being a property manager because they had a property and all of a sudden they had two or three more. And now all of a sudden they're at 30 
Some people came into it because they liked where they lived on the beach or on the ski slope. So it was more of a lifestyle piece, which now has not turned into a lifestyle piece because we've been busy for so long, which is a good and bad thing. You know, we have all these things that play into that. So, you know, and then to the point of, you know, having a AAA or a mobile rating for each, each property is, is certainly a challenge because in a hotel, I own every piece of furniture. And so every five or 10 years, I can do a wholesale change out. In a vacation rental, I have to persuade, I have to coax, I have to do all of these things because I have to work with somebody else's money to accomplish that. So while I I think having some type of rating would be great, I think that we have to to um, be better at a general sense of being able to communicate with our owners in a timely manner during the month of what's taking place in their property. So we can, so we can continue to have their trust that when we come to them and say, you know what, your couch needs to be broke is broken and needs to be replaced or your couch is exceptionally loved, i.e. well-used and it's time to replace it, that there's, there's some confidence between me as the person that's responsible for their property and them as the one who's now going to write the check to be able to, to facilitate that. Maybe a rating system is completely different the way we view it, short-term rentals versus, you know, uh, a hotel. We're trying to to compare, you know, uh, eye to eye, eye, but it doesn't work, right? Because we do have units that could be a couple hundred years old and some of the furniture is in immaculate condition, hand-carved wood tables, and those are type of characteristics that you don't want to remove from the unit to modernize it and then standardize it. And so we become a completely different beast. Totally. I mean, I, I know I know of a couple of properties on the Oregon coast where there's no TV, no internet, and no telephone. And the properties are book solid because they are known as book writing cabins, book writing properties. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you were to look at, again, comparing apples to oranges from the AAA or mobile from the hotel side, they wouldn't even get, they would be at a one star only because they didn't have some of those things that they're saying are are important. And yet, for the individuals who want to write a book or for the individuals who need to get away to clear their head and don't want any distractions, that's what they're looking for. And so, and so again, to this point of, of the rating system, you know, there, there's a rating for the maintenance, a rating for the for the cleaning, and then a rating for the property condition. Well, how do, how do we how do we take into account you know all these varied properties out there that are popular for certain segments of the population for very specific reasons? Mm-hmm. And so you know to just to lay a, a blanket blanket rating system to me misses the variety of who we are. And so how to, how to write that and how to, and then, so how, A, how do you come up with the criteria? And then B, how do you, how do you charge for the criteria? Because it has to be inspected by someone who's trained and how do we go through and do that? You know, I know Airbnb is trying to do that. I know Marriott is doing that through their homes and villas. And I know they've had a learning curve because they took their hotel people and said, go inspect vacation rentals. And the first first set of inspections were pretty rough because they were looking at it from a hotel standpoint. So again, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying that how do we embrace who we are, which is 
a variety of properties in a variety of locations with a variety of personalities and still be able to and still be able to accomplish the task of helping the guest see that and and maybe and maybe the way to do it is through through industry certifications of people, you know, so maybe we come back to the people side and say, all my cleaners are certified. All my inspectors are certified. All my front desk associates are, are certified. All my reservation agents are certified. My managers have taken these courses. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways to look at that again, you know, hospitality from my perspective is people to people. Now there are people who will check into the properties that I'm currently managing that I will never see and they they will book online, they will remote check-in, they will depart, they will give us a five-star review, and they are totally content with that. And I will have people who will walk into my lobby, need all sorts of, of touch points throughout their stay, and they too will depart and leave five stars. So how do we how do we embrace you know the variety of properties and then embrace the variety of people who are coming to look from a lodging point? standpoint? But at the very core, you're dealing with something that's fairly simple. And, and Matt said it, I think, earlier best, which is our properties really do start with the cleans. They, stand, they start with the standard of the unit. So at a very, very baseline, I think what we need to look at is perfecting the clean and the presentation of the unit. And regardless if the guest needs a high touch or a very low touch interaction, it, it is the standard that they're walking into. It is. So it becomes what I refer to as the standard property appearance. And then how am I articulating my standard property appearance, my company standards to my guests? How am I doing that? That way, when the guest arrives, they're, they're, they're showing up with the right expectations. And I think, you know, you mentioned, I, you know, Airbnb. I do think some of the OTAs have helped in that you know, they're also interested in making sure the people who book through Airbnb that they're able to find what they're looking for. If it's a rustic cabin with, you know, no internet, no television, that you know, Airbnb and the OTAs are fine with that as long as it's mayor, you know, it's kind of communicated. And I think that's where as an industry we can continue to do better is in making it easy for guests to find what they're looking for, you know, and, and so whether it's, you know, being able to search for, you know, we're looking for a pool, we're looking for the, you know, um, or I'm looking for a place to, to work for a month, right. Cause I can remote work. That is half the battle is just, you know, we all know people don't really read the, you know, paragraphs of descriptions that we've put, they have a short attention span, but we've got to, to your point, Dirk, I think, if we can find a way to communicate what this property is and, and maybe sometimes importantly, what it's not, then we're at least, we've got a better chance. We've got a fighting chance to really meet the guest at their expectations. And I think that that would be a good start. It would be. And, and yes, and I, and I would even go just a slight step further. And that would be, you know, if a guest says that I'm coming out for an anniversary or I'm coming out to, um, to, to celebrate, uh, a memory of somebody who has passed away or coming out to do for whatever reason that, that we, as, as people serving people and helping people will be able to add to that experience in some way, shape or form, whether that, that be through, 
you know, through flowers or through a restaurant gift certificate or through recognizing the birthday or whatever the activity is that we are able to, to have that human connection, even in a time of pandemic. And, mm-hmm. and we can, cause ultimately that's what guest service is. It's, 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 it's right. It's, it's the golden rule. It's being able to, to see the guest, meet the guest, address the guest, take care of the guest and to have them walk away, you know, saying to themselves, that was a great experience. I was able to accomplish what I wanted to do, or, you know what, there were a couple of hiccups and the staff stood up and they raised their hand and they, they were able to help me work through my issues and we were able to go forward. So again, right. We're people taking care of people and how do we take care of people? Cause that's really the bottom line. Yes. Do we need clean properties? Absolutely. Do they have to be cleaned correctly? Absolutely. Do the cleaners need training? Does everyone in the company need training? Absolutely. And so how are we embracing that and having that a part of our individual companies? You know, it's interesting. You getting back to where you start, you know, you bring the um, guest recovery, right? Because we are going to make mistakes and made me think of two things. One is, you know, at Explory, one of the things we started about eight years ago was making available the local tours and attractions that we're partnered with mm-hmm. our clients. They, we, we call them Explory Extras, right? But they're able to, you know, to take five tickets to the local water park when, you know, something has gone amiss and provide that to the family as a way of kind of one, getting them out of the house so they can get in there and get it right. fixed. But, you know, the whole idea and Brian, I don't know if I ever told you this, I, I'm a big believer in taking things from other industries. The whole idea of Explore Extras came from Delta, who I'm a huge, massive fan of. If anybody gives me two minutes to talk about air travel, I talk about Delta. But you know, when you have an issue at Delta, it is very common to, you know, a day later get an email that says, Hey, we've deposited a thousand miles or whatever the number is into your loyalty account. They've never once offered me money back, right? But I'll tell you what, it makes me feel like I've been heard every single time. Whereas if I think if they gave me 50 bucks, I don't know that I would, you know, and so that's where that whole kind of concept came. But I think it's just when you talk about guest recovery, I think it is important that it is more about the human nature, right? They want to know that they've been heard. You don't, it doesn't mean you always have to throw money at them. I mean, sometimes, but. I don't know. It's just something that jumped out at me. Well, it, so, so it goes back to how you handle the situation, and I think that that's the that's the point. And I've been seeing it, and it's actually increased quite a bit because your exposure is so much higher now with technology, where being able to communicate with the guests if they do have an issue, how quickly can you get to the guest? Can you fix the problem that they're having, or are you communicating correctly the the resolution that you have for them? And if you can't resolve the problem then what's, what's your path to help them fix that particular issue? And as long as you satisfy what they're looking for and you're responding the way they want you to respond, your guest experience is going to match. They'll walk away and they'll be okay. Yeah, and sometimes the answer is no. Yeah. And how do, how do we provide that no Absolutely. answer? I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes I can't provide what the guest is politely asking or demanding, however you want to, to look at that. And sometimes the answer is no. And so how do I, how do I, again, train my staff, train myself 
to work with the guests so I can be able to, to not only serve them and tell them no, or say, I can't provide it in that way. And I can provide this particular item in a way to help them, you know, still work towards accomplish that it's, it's providing alternatives and options in a way that, that potentially could work for the guest. And, and yeah. So critical. So critical. I, yeah, I don't know if this is episode 20 or what we've done, Brian, I don't know anybody's really stressed that. And, and, you know, thank you, Dirk, for because I think some listeners need to hear that. Like, no is an no is an okay answer. Something like there is limits to what we can do. We're not perfect, and it is a business. And you know, you've got to be able to you know training your staff on on you know on identifying that and knowing where kind of those limits are. And sometimes, and I think too, going back to your guys' conversation, you know, you guys have way more experience than I do with the on the homeowner side in particular, but. There's also that answer for homeowners. You know, I will tell you, I think some of our best clients and partners, you know, are the ones who turn over homeowners. Like they're not afraid at the end of a year to go, you know what? We may not be the best property manager for you. Like here's a list of local property managers and, you know, but they understand that at some point that's okay too. And the power of knowing when to say no is, is important. I, I think that is a, that is a crucial point. I think one of the key things that I'm hearing as well, one, one is, and this is a recurring theme, Matt, which is people. It's all about training the people and it's setting the right expectation. And that comes through training. If we train our people to communicate the way we want them to communicate, to be able to handle, whether it's guests, owners, or a combination of both, the fact is, and it could include a no or a bad review. If we know how to handle the issue because we've trained them correctly, the result should be a positive result. So we shouldn't be scared or we shouldn't put aside putting time into the staff because that staff is actually what's gonna help the companies grow and get the good expectations or the right expectations that we're expecting from both our homeowners and our guests. So that's the first thing. And then I'd like to get into a little bit of COVID and see what your thoughts are on COVID and how people are performing right now, Dirk, when it comes to cleaning, because it's such a big topic. And I'm wondering if COVID has really helped people transition and really pay attention to the cleaning aspects of, of, of their units or people just actually saying, yeah, we're, we're following some procedures. We're doing some of this stuff, announcing it, and then continuing to do what they do every day. So it's a mix of both of that is what I've seen. I, I mean, the good to me, there, there's always a positive and negative. The positive thing of COVID, as terrible as it is, the positive side is that it has helped a group of individuals who have been in the shadows now be in the front. And that would be the cleaning professionals. People are able to see the, the true importance of the cleaning professionals. And I've seen some companies who have certainly embraced the opportunity to improve their cleaning and their cleaning practices and their cleaning protocols. They've changed products to much better products. I've also seen some companies who say, yes, this is what we do. And then they just continue to operate in the way they have in the past. The challenge really though now is as we've been in this 18 or so months is not to be tired, which is really tough because we're tired. 
-hmm. you know, several of the vacation rental locations that I'm familiar with, you know, they've been running 80, 90, 95% for 18 months. And that's unheard of. And so now your cleaners are tired. The people in the towns are tired because they don't have their town anymore. You know, all these things are taking place. And so, so part of, part of the diligence now is to truly stay true to the, the cleaning practices, the cleaning product, as well as the safety of the staff. I mean, that includes washing hands, that includes masks, that includes immunizations. If, if, uh, if that's what your company has chosen to do, that includes, you know, ventilation of properties. It includes social distancing. It includes all of those things. So how, how is a, how is a, a company, a property manager and as a, as an individual, again, coming back to the human side, how do I show respect to my staff? How do I help them not be so tired? Not, I, I mean, they're going to be tired. So how do I make work light? How, what can I do during the day or a certain period or certain days to, to add a variety to it, to help my staff continue to be focused and to, to continue forward. Well, let's talk about the rewarding you know, what, side of it for, for, for the cleaners. I mean, there's such a critical part of a company. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most people just call them cleaners and, and they're there to clean your well, But I, I, I would, you know, I would push a, back on that, that they wouldn't call them cleaners. They call them housekeepers. I call them cleaning professionals. Yeah, and but that's you because you have, you've put a value to, to the housekeeping staff, right? But we really should be valuing our housekeeping staff a lot more than we do. They're a lot more critical to our business than a lot of people put it. And and I might be at some fault for some of this stuff, right? Because I do it. I, I it, it's not the central. When I think about my company, it's not centralized. Like I look at my office staff, and because they're so out in the field. Sometimes we don't take them into consideration for office parties and things like that, especially if they're subcontractors, when in fact, they should be the first people that we should be thinking about. Well, so subcontractors, a different story. No, you should not treat them like employees. So let's, that's a different conversation for a different day. So you don't get in trouble and have to (laughs) pay all sorts of taxes and fees and fines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So so let's stay on the employee side. For sure. Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, you know, this, this, this summer with the property management company that I'm working with Seabrook hospitality in, in Washington, you know, we, we, we had people from all the other departments come and make beds and prepare properties on days where we were short staffed, you know, so that's one way to help the other departments see how much work it takes to go into that, you know, helping, uh, you know, doing time-lapse videos or, or have a live stream of what's taking place so people can see, you know, how, what work is going into getting the properties ready. And, you know, we do a, a weekly newsletter from the back of the house to everybody or from hospitality to everybody so they can see how much effort goes into that. That way, when the reservation agent gets a call or when somebody gets something, you know, there, there's some, there's some knowledge and information there that, yeah, they are doing everything they can. So now the certainty in the body language and in the tone and inflection of the voice, you know, the guest will pick up on that and and hear that confidence and be able to know, yes, they are doing everything they can to, to, to help me accomplish my task of getting into the property or whatever may be taking place at the time. 
some some really cool recommendations there. The time lapse video would be so cool. You know, you know, look, I think every business. I think about exploring, you know, we've got 75 destination guides, right? And they're on the phone all the time booking these activities and stuff. But like, that's our department. That's our version of like, of our housekeeping staff, right? It's kind of the the core of our business, yet sometimes can be so underappreciated. You know, one thing we've seen with some of our clients there is, is requiring, you know, where, you know, lately they've started requiring a day in between these turns, and they've just had to tell the homeowners, look, the house needs it. The staff needs it. We just can't keep it up. And again, it's about that knowing when you just say, look, this is what's best. And, and here's what we're going to do. And that's why you hire me is to make these decisions. And that comes back to building trust with the owner yep. or, or in my case, you know, instead of we drop the day in between because, you know, from a, for our decision, that was our decision we chose to do as we went forward. And now I'm in the fall. And normally this is a time when I would start to let my seasonal staff go and I'm going to keep them. I'm going to keep them engaged. I have deep cleans to do. I'm expecting mm-hmm. occupancy to climb back up. I'm expecting certain things to happen. Not that I have a crystal ball. Mine is black. All I see is my reflection. So I have no, I'm just looking at for my particular location in my particular area, looking down the calendar, right? I'm, I'm going to, to essentially take my labor, my housekeeping labor, toss it out the window to a degree and retain people that I have not accounted for because I know they need rest. I know I have work I need them to do. And so how am I going to facilitate that? And so, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep them. And then I'm going to look at the work they do and I'm going to see ways that I can break it up into smaller pieces based on who's coming in the door. So there's lots of things we can do to, to help them feel valued, to help them know the impact they have. And part of this is we have to cut through the voice in their head of downplaying what we're saying. Because in many ways, you know, they, they've, they've been stepped on, they've been pushed around, and now all of a sudden they find them in a position where they've been cleaning with a virus. I mean, they've literally put their health on the line for the success of the company. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we reward them? How do we help them know and thank them for what they've done? Yeah, it's, it's a great point. I think, you know, probably a great place to kind of wrap up our discussion today. But, you know, it's so many good nuggets. But I think here at the end, it really is, you know, you can't expect your staff and your team to deliver on a level of guest experience if you're not also willing to deliver on a certain level of, you know, uh, you know, of, of care for them as the staff. And, and look, we understand it's all realistic. You know, we can't, yeah, there's limits to how much we can pay for, you know, and limits what we can charge. But a lot of this is not about money. I mean, I think about fair compensation is really important and we've got to keep working towards that, you know, and in different markets, that means different things. But a lot of it is just about, you know, the care you take and how you treat them. 
Right. It totally is. Right. Am I providing lunch? Am I providing drinks? Am right. I providing kudos and accolades? Am I providing gift cards? Am I calling people in my morning meeting to the front and say, you know, Betty Sue did a great job. Johnny did a great job. Dan did an outstanding job. You know, am I saying please and thank you where I can? Am I, am I acknowledging that someone had a bad day and saying, you know what, you just need to go home. I mean, the other day I had a, I had, I found out a supervisor's mom passed away two days, two days before. So whatever it was. So let's, let's say it's today that I found out the supervisor's mom passed away two days ago and she was at work. I'm like, why are wow. you at work? That's why nice. are you at work? Yeah. Now, if you're at work to escape, that's one thing. If you're at work because you feel like you're going to lose your job, shame on me, right. shame on me that I have not yeah. helped that individual understand that it's okay to get away. And so, you know, as again, we've, we've talked about the human side of the enterprise, you know, throughout this whole conversation and, and, and it's what they are and how are we going to take care of these, of the human side of the enterprise all across the enterprise to help us succeed. And when we do that, we will have the people we need. I have no doubt because the good people will find the good employers and stay there. That's some great, great feedback, Derek. And we really appreciate what you're doing for us in the industry, you're especially welcome. with some of the resources that you're putting together and, and the work that you've put in over the years. So if people Thank want you. to reach you, Derek, how do they reach out to you and, and talk to you and, and you know, connect? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the best way is through email. Uh, I'll, I'll admit I'm slow, you know, Dirk at D U R K at housekeeping com. you know, uh, is, is my email address uh, at the same time, happy to, uh, happy to point people in the right direction to where they need to go. If I can't help, I know somebody who can, so we can certainly, we can certainly work through that. Excellent. Well, yes, thank you again. And it's a great conversation and we'd love to, you know, have you back at some point and we can uh, talk hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we'll, uh, you know, this is an area I do think we got caught a little bit as an industry with our pants down, you know, it's kind of sad that it took a, a labor issue like we've got now and with COVID and, and this to focus, but hopefully to your point, some good comes of this and we realize how important these these groups are this aspect of our businesses and we we make some changes not just for the now when it's a problem but permanent changes in how we how we uh handle our team and 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 run our businesses right exactly to me that's it how do i be an employer of choice not just in times of bad but in times of good and as i become this good this good property management company this good business i will attract the good owners and i will attract the good people. I, I will have what I need. No question. Words of wisdom right there from, from, from Dirk Johnson. Dirk, thank you again. And we, we're thrilled to have you. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, everybody, for taking time to listen. Have an outstanding day. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episodes. We are Brian Hamali and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a guest experience worth talking about. See you soon.